Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find much of your tennis activity. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors might provide that roadmap for your journey. Those mentors include on the first Thursday of the month, normally we have Alan Fox. The second Thursday of the month is Coach Chuck Reese. The third Thursday of the month is Dr. John Murray. And on the fourth Thursday, like today, we have Coach Scott Williams. And we rotate either it'll be Scott Williams or it'll be Linda LeClaire. And sometimes we're blessed Linda will bring along her husband, Dr. Bryce Young, with her. And uh, on those fifth Thursdays when they happen, well, you never know who. You've, we've been blessed to have Ashley Hobson, Scott Inge, um, Coach Mick Majorowski, uh the director of uh, – the PTR, the executive director of the US uh, PTA and um, USTA officials. And the next week, we are really special because it is a fifth Thursday of the month. And uh, somebody that I respect very much is Nick Saviano, and he'll be our mentor next Thursday. And if you haven't read Maximum Tennis, well, shame on you. You really. Uh, ought to uh, read the book, and it's, uh, it was great help to a lot of coaches, I think. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is that if you can't listen live, you can tune in whenever you want to yourself. I very seldom listen live to uh, Chuck Reese's American Tennis on Wednesdays, but you can bet your life I listen to it regularly. But sometimes it's early in the morning, sometimes it's late at night, and that's a, the great thing about uh, Block Talk Radio. You can tell your friends to tune into the Yellow Ball Network and listen when they want to hear it. Each Thursday I will add my personal views because I do believe Dr. King, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And naturally those views will include my thought on North American tennis, and naturally you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. Uh, together, who knows, we may make wake up that sleeping giant called high school uh, tennis, and, uh, and we might prevent college tennis, which seems to be uh, going in that direction of uh, an after-school activity, uh, rather than an after-school sport. And I think, um, you know, it's something that we have to keep in front of the public to make sure they realize that competition is not a dirty word. It's something that um, our youth are going to have to go through the rest of their life. So the great thing about sports is that it uh, helps you prepare for that. The Almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my views in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I have previously expressed, if you disagree, I make sure your views uh, either on in the magazine, in my articles, or on um, this here network. Uh, but uh, it wouldn't be the first time that happens. Just contact me at Coach Denise. 
F-H-S-T-C-A-T-T.net. That's Coach Denise, D-A-N-I-S-E, dot F-H-S-T-C-A-T-T.net. Remember, where there is no vision, the people will perish. I think that's, well, don't quote me. I think it's Proverbs 29:18, but it might not be. So uh, before I get in uh, trouble, uh, it, it's something to think about anyway. Uh, like I said, besides our weekly conversation, the Almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my views in Florida Tennis Magazine. And uh, just Contact me if you disagree. I'd like to thank J.P. Weber and the Yellow, Ball, the Yellow Ball CEO for hosting our network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, well, you're missing out on some uh, useful information. And remember, if you're not subscribing to Florida Tennis or someone has taken your last copy of the magazine from the pro shop, you can always find my articles or the last issue of Florida Tennis at www.fhstca.org. Or now, uh, if you go to Facebook and Twitter and uh, on the social media, you might find Jim Martz's articles on the Florida Tennis Facebook page, or you might um, find a preview of uh, something that is uh, coming up. Uh, for instance, I... Noticed last uh, night at Facebook, and I actually uh, shared it because I I thought it was very uh, important, is that there was um, a piece, there's a contest going on, and this is for the Florida residents. I'm sorry about the, um, uh, for outside of the area, but you'll find other interesting stuff for uh, uh, you there. But uh, on page 34 of Florida Tennis, you see the Youth Tennis Foundation of Florida is having an essay contest, and it's for people playing high school tennis. And maybe this is one of the things that we can get people excited about. But actually, what they're doing is it's a 250-word uh, essay you have to write in the first prize is $1,500, the second prize is $750, third prize, third place prize is $250, and um, you, you just have to go to uh, college to get it. It has to be the Pierce Kelly, he's the uh, U-Tennis Foundation, P.O. Box 452, uh, Fort White, Florida, 32038. Uh, it has to be there by June 1st, but uh, if you're going to uh, high school, I know I talked to a coach last night, and he says, I have a boy going playing football, not tennis. Does that matter? No, you don't have to. You, if you have a tennis scholarship, you're probably not going to even be able to use the money, but if you are uh, uh, going to college, they'll just write the check out there. So um, these are the things that you'll find in the magazine. I I see our guest is here now, and uh, I would uh, let me uh, see if he's on. I do have a commentary uh, that I will um, present after the uh, towards the end of the broadcast. Um, Scott, are you there tonight? Let's see, Scott, are you there? 
Hi, John. How are you tonight? I'm blessed, Scott. Yourself? Also. Very blessed. Grateful to be here. I haven't had a chance to introduce you yet. I was, uh, you know me, I get waylaid on different subjects sometimes. But for those of you that uh, don't know, I've uh, been blessed that Scott has been on our board of directors with the Florida High School uh, Tennis Coaches Association. But uh, those of you that don't know Scott, uh, he is uh, tr- a truly mentor, and this, of course, these are what this broadcast is about. I, I try to be bring people on that have authored books. Uh, Scott has uh, written serious tennis um, uh, and skills and drills. Serious tennis is a book um, when uh, I put together the uh, certification for coaching. That's one of the books that you got credit for for reading if you wanted to move up the ladder. The ladder. Uh, but he's, uh, besides being an author, he's really uh, coached champions of all ages. He's um, And really all levels. Uh, he's including uh, this uh, past year, the middle school. He's coached high school. He's coached uh, Team Florida, the U.S. Uh, TA National Intersectional and uh, he's also been um, blessed, and I think the people he's worked with have been blessed, too, to associate with him, but to uh, uh, coach ATP and WTA uh, players, too. Um, what excited me about even his uh, book, uh, he actually used uh, the money uh, from that uh, with his uh, program, uh, Match Point Ministries, which, uh, I, Scott, I'd like to get into that because I, you changed the name I heard. We have, John. We've, um, we really wanted to bring people up to date with uh, Match Point Impact, and we feel that the last word, ministries, sometimes is a put-off for, for players, parents, and coaches because they think, oh, this is something religious. And it couldn't be further from the truth. It's definitely something relational. Yes, we do emphasize the importance of having a relationship with God. Yes, we emphasize, um, you know, selecting uh, your coach to mentor you in life, which my choice has been Jesus Christ. Um, But, you know, the programs, they're ongoing, and uh, we have three distinct outreaches that we do with Matchpoint Impact. Um, we are currently building the new website for Matchpoint Impact, and uh, you'll see in the next uh, coming weeks that we have some very exciting, thing, exciting things planned. Oh, good. I look forward uh, to that because I've always uh, uh, been impressed with you as a coach, but uh, truthfully uh, more impressed with you as a man and a human being. Uh, and uh, I'd, I'm really looking forward to that there. Um, how are the uh, kids doing? Oh, no, they're wonderful, wonderful. And, uh, you know, again, just blessed because I've noted in my life, and I'm sure many of the listeners have too, um, the more we focus on what our purpose is and what God's created us to do, the more exciting life becomes. And uh, honestly, since... Um, reconnecting with our co-founder, Ryan Fitzwilliam, uh, and, you know, really taking a close look at just what 
can we take it, you know, if we take an inventory of what can we do with everything we've been blessed with, um, this match point impact is becoming super exciting with uh, two new players coming on. Uh, we, we have three distinct divisions within match point impact. The first is player development. And uh, we've had two players come on, Magnus Johnson, who trains with our great brother, uh, Brett Hobden over there in Naples. And uh, Magnus is um, a 17 year old boy who is, uh, he's beaten three uh, boys in the top uh, 10 in the 18s this year. He went down, he won a level four, but to win that level four from Naples, he had to commute every day from Naples down to Miami. Wow. Because his, his parents didn't have the funding to, you know, put him up in a hotel. So uh, Magnus has been sponsored this year by Billie Jean King, which is just awesome. Uh, we have Elise Lavender, who's now come into our player development program. I've known her dad for years, um, for over 20 years. And Elise is out there playing on the women's tour in the 25,000s, and she just returned from Italy this week. So, um, And then we have a whole host of young juniors who are aspiring to be student athletes as well, including my two and a new young boy called a Christian Johnson, who's a real special young guy. Well, that's good to know. And as I told you before, you know, please, you know, let them know. Uh, we're at my age now, Bobby and I are home a lot more than uh, uh, a lot of people are. And uh, our home has always been open to uh, tennis players. So if they're traveling on the East Coast, uh, you, you know where we are, Sebastian, between well, between you and um, Orlando, um, you know, please uh, contact us or have them contact us. And uh, we'd like to help support them, uh, too. And if, you know, uh, rather than paying for a hotel room, if uh, they more than welcome to use one of our uh, bedrooms. Well, uh, we're a little boring, uh, old people, but we do, if they like fishing, we have a nice no. fishing village here. And uh, we do have a swimming pool. They can relax in and everything. But uh, we uh, we love what you're doing. Tell me a little bit more about your three outreaches that makes up the MPI. Well, the um, the first one, as I mentioned, was the player development. The second one is service leadership. And we presently have Coach Ryan Fitzwilliam, our co-founder of Matchpoint Impact, He's working in the largest orphanage in South Africa near Durban, where he's from. And I believe there's over 200 boys and girls in this orphanage, um, the largest in South Africa. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's presently down there, uh, not just teaching them how to play tennis, but he's also, you know, really emphasizing some great life lessons and and, uh, just there to mentor and encourage them um, that perhaps maybe – their own parents um, haven't been present, but God is always present and uh, to, to really develop that relationship with God on a daily basis. And he's teaching those children how to do that. Excellent. We also have um, two other parts of our service leadership. The second uh, occurs in December with our longtime friend, Diego Paredes. And uh, he, he does a missions trip down to Peru where he goes into the Peruvian jungle and, um, he stays there for a couple of days and uh, he gets to connect with 35 to 40 children there every year. 
And um, again, he takes down used equipment and nets and uh, they string them up down there. And, and the same thing, he, he emphasizes how to develop a, a great relationship with God. And then our third uh, part of the service leadership occurs out in Washington State, where I'm from, where this year we'll be uh, working with a group of at-risk boys and girls through the Boys and Girls Club out there, as well as those, some of the boys and girls that we um, impact here through the Boys and Girls Club in Boca Raton. Oh, very good. Yep, so that's the, that's the second part. And then the, finally, the third part is game development. And in that area, we have some very exciting things that, uh, you know, we're looking to launch this year. We have a match evaluation system in an app form that uh, we're, we're just about $10,000 shy of completing that. But it's, um, it's going to be like nothing else that uh, is out on the market, which uh, gets into something called situational analytics, which identifies basically what phase of play you are in, what type of ball or what type of ball you sent back from which part of the court and to where. And it does all that um, on an iPad. So it's, it's pretty amazing. And the data that comes out of that is um, something that I've never seen before. So it, it's very interesting. Well, it seems that's a big part of the game and every other sport. And, uh, and I think tennis, we've been a little bit uh, – behind, uh, actually, some of the other sports uh, using some of the equipment. And I'm guilty of it because I'm uh, not the most computer-savvy uh, person, but uh, uh, there's no doubt that uh, coaching tennis um, is not what it used to be. And if we're going to continue and do a service to the uh, kids, um, we have to do more than just hit balls to them, that's for sure. How's uh, are you and um, Jasmine going to be playing in another uh, father-daughter tournament? <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, yes, um, last year we we ended up playing in the nationals and we reached the quarterfinals. I was um, quite surprised uh, just a couple days ago to get a certificate in the mail uh, stating that we were ranked 22 in the nation just after one tournament last year as father-daughter. And I can tell you, John, she carried her dad very well. I was going to say, you're very uh, <laughs> lucky to have Jasmine there. Uh, she's carrying you very well. That's very, very nice. Well, tell her we love her. We just, uh, Bobby said, make sure you find out how Jasmine's doing. So uh, let her know that we think of her. Yeah, uh, and the children both wanted to, uh, they both wanted to, apply for that uh, wonderful scholarship opportunity, um, but they have to wait a couple of years. Jasmine just finished her sophomore year this year. Yeah, well, I'm sure uh, she, well, she might actually be at a disadvantage uh, because uh, the way it's structured <laughs> now, if you're getting a, a scholarship, a tennis scholarship, uh, that's uh, – well, as you know, most of the time they take that money from there, so they're not looking to go that way. But you don't know what the future is uh, going to bring, and uh, that's what makes it so exciting. That's right. No, that's very, very true. Let me uh, let me ask you uh, another uh, question. This year, uh, I know you're a little disappointed, and so am I, but you were – is involved with the middle school uh, as well as coaching high school uh, tennis in the oh, past. Oh. 
<laughs> but uh, would you like to talk a little bit about that and uh, and about the challenges of dealing with the FHSAA and trying to recognize uh, middle school sports? It just amazes me that we're not. I see all the sports trying to get into uh, the children in the youngest uh, ages and and. Uh, in tennis, we're not uh, looking uh, to do that, and it's uh, very disappointing. Yeah. No, I am, um, you know, directing the program up at the King's Academy this year for the first time year-round. Um, I was aghast when I hit the middle school season because seven years, maybe eight years ago, um, I started the Champions League down in the Boca Raton area. And the Champions League was made up of um, schools and private clubs that competed in the fall for middle school students. I think, um, and I, look, I'm part of it, but we have to change it. We have to change the culture. The coaches, and I'm saying I'm included, um, we've, we've gone to sleep at the wheel with this. And um, tennis is not an activity. We know it is a lifetime sport. We can take any group of youth that we have throughout the year, and we can ask them some very simple questions. How many of your grandparents play tackle football? No hands go up. How many of your grandparents play competitive ice hockey? No hands go up. How many of your grandparents play tennis? And you see a whole bunch of hands shoot up. How many of your grandparents play golf and more hands shoot up. So, and, and swimming included. So there we have it. But yet in the fall, there's nothing available for tennis in the middle school and high school for that matter. And we've missed it. And we've allowed team sports such as soccer, girls, lacrosse, volleyball to take the dominant spot. They've got it. And that's in the fall. So starting the champions league about seven years ago, Chuck Gill, um, former national uh, USPTA president, gave us one of the most beautiful quotes two years ago. When he, I ran into him in Orlando, he said, that was one of the greatest moments that my son experienced while playing tennis, was participating in the Champions League. And the reason he said that was because we have over 200 students competing from Fort Lauderdale to West Palm Beach. We have a northern division, a southern division. This thought from these smaller schools of well, you're, or this concern that they have is, well, you're going to, um, you know, we just have a small student pool to pull, pull from. And uh, you can't, you know, we don't want you taking volleyball players or female lacrosse players out of our program to do a tennis program in the fall. That would wipe us out. And my response to that is, come on, tennis coaches. What are we doing? You mean, if you can't get five boys and five girls whose primary sport is tennis by middle school age, we've missed it. We've missed it. And I think, you know, the coaches are perplexed too, because they're like, well, I'm working with this student. I've done the red ball, the orange ball, the green dot ball, you know, progression. And now how do I transition them into, um, you know, getting them ready for middle school season and uh, high school season? Well, the answer is get them involved in a league, start a league, you know, and get schools slash um, that perhaps are not FHSAA schools participating in your league, and you'll see the growth occur immediately. 
Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Uh, it, it's just uh, it's a shame in there. And in Texas, you have to give credit where due. I mean, because I'm my position is, and I ask the question every uh, week: Is high school uh, tennis an after-school activity or an after-school sports? After-school activities are good, and and some places more important than other. But after-school tennis as a sport. I, I believe is more important because they're going to be competing the rest of their life. And in Texas, right. they run a fall league and they don't, uh, you know, and then in the spring, they have a competitive league. When you look at, we just got through with our state championships and you see the same people every single year competing. We have a handful of schools that have tennis programs, and the rest of them, truthfully, are after-school activity programs. And we could do that in the fall, and and, and especially the middle school. But the whole middle school situation, uh, I don't want to beat up too much on the FHSA because we're all members of it, like you said, and we all have to speak up and do our share, but... I goofed years ago because my passion, as you know, is history. And um, with my wife's uh, District 15 NJTL program, uh, I always kid, she she reminds me I can't afford a divorce, so I have to volunteer so many things. But I love the kids working with them. But uh, in the middle school, we used to do an after-school tennis, and the – Constitution program, and we brought these kids and we introduced them to tennis. And somebody turns around and says, "Our middle school is uh, the kids can go to more than one high school, so I could be recruiting these kids there." <laughs> and so I was asked to stop the program. I mean, and that's just a sad commentary. And I probably should have stopped coaching high school at that time instead of doing it. And I might introduce the program uh, again because uh, I think it's a, we've got to get these kids in the middle school playing more tennis. Oh, 1,000%. And I'm so glad, as you can tell, you brought this subject up. It's one of my passionate subjects I'd like to speak about because if you're running a successful high school program, and by that I mean – and, and look, there's a lot of different different, different uh, definitions of successful. If a student's getting out there and they're loving the game of tennis, you have a successful, you've created you know a, a successful tennis program. Outcome based, I'm referring to a successful program as as a team that is reaching the Florida State Championships, which potentially can run through the third week of April. Now, at present, the middle school season that's laid out by the FHSAA spring sport starts in the middle of April and then goes through the middle of May. If you have a team, if you are in a school where you have both middle and high school and your team's gone to States, you don't start your tryouts. Typically, at least the, the big powerhouse schools down here, they don't start their tryouts for middle school until they're done at States. That leaves John sometimes two and a half to three weeks for tennis. Now, how in the world does a student in that short a period of time 
say, wow, what a great experience, and add further uh, frustration to the situation, there's nothing organized. So when I reached out in the West Palm Beach, imagine that, West Palm Beach, Florida, where we know students do do summer camps. They do take private lessons. There's plenty of clubs in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I, and we reached out, and I reached out to these different schools to say, um, excuse me, but there's no organized league here. So there's no score being kept. There's nothing that they're playing for. It's the most disorganized, disorganized thing I've seen in sports, bar none. And it's sending a completely wrong message for a lifetime sport. Don't know how to change it at this point. Well, I, mean, I, I think part of the problem is that we just, um, you know, the emphasis is just not on tennis in the school system. The, the emphasis is on after-school activities rather than after-school sports. I mean, it's, it's, it's football in, in Florida, it's a sport, uh, basketball and uh uh, baseball, uh, those are sports. The other sports, I, I hear the same coaches, but uh, soccer, golf doesn't have the problem. So bless them, the, they, uh, you know. But the rest of the uh, sports that aren't generating revenue uh, have the same uh, problem. And uh, I, I think as society, we have to ask ourselves the question, uh, you know, does sports have a value? Does competition have a value? Uh, I I can't help but to look at some of the problems that society is facing today and uh, yeah. you know, my my own bias is if we have more people playing sports, we would have less of it. Now, then I have a bias like everybody else does, but that's my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, you know, the late Billy Graham once said that a coach has greater influence in many cases in children's lives than their own parents. And I thought that was a very wise statement because that he was reasoned that the child spends, in, in most cases, more time with their coach during the day than they get to with their parents when they get home and they get to their studies and everything else. So it's extremely important to monitor and to take a look at, you know, yes, this coach may be very good at um, creating some outcome results, but what kind of results does that coach produce on, um, on a personal level? What do, what do his students go on? And, you know, what is the cost for those outcome results a lot of times at the student's expense? Very, very true. I, I can't help but to think of recent conversation. I have two uh, grandchildren that's uh, in high school and in uh, baseball. One of them will be going on to college uh, to play baseball uh, next year, and the other one is uh, uh, a year younger, but uh, he already has many offers. I don't know where he's going to go yet. But in talking to them, which I – I am a pain in the ass grandfather. I talk to him often, 
But a lot of times in talking to them about, you know, mom and dad and how proud my daughter is and, you know, look at this sport, their their conversation goes more to their baseball coach at times. And uh, Bobby has to remind me sometimes, you know, gee, uh, they love their mother and father, but, you know, they the influence on them right now is their baseball coach. And uh, so just what you just got through saying, I think it's so important that that influence stays with them uh, sometimes uh, as long as having an excellent parent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, as you know, as a coach, and I know you've experienced this before, John, you know, it's so rewarding to see your students years after they've moved into perhaps other fields in their lives. I mean, uh, Greg Hill, who lives in Orlando, I call him the mayor of Orlando, as he does a lot of real estate development and things. But what really especially touched me was in 2013, he was selected as father of the year in Orlando, which is a very great um, award to receive. And um, it was because of um, his fundraising that he did for uh, the Diabetes Association, the American Diabetes. And um, I was just so proud when I went there to this beautiful banquet to see him receive that award. And, uh, you know, this was all part of his worth ethic that he learned while obtaining the number one junior ranking in the world in doubles, playing with Tommy Haas, and uh, then going on to play on the tour. So it was just amazing to see how they evolved. And uh, it's just, you know, we see those stories many, many times over, um, the impact of learning how to work hard and to persevere and and to have faith and, and not to give up, you know. So it's just amazing. Scott, let me um, take about three minutes because I uh, the last two weeks I didn't do my commentary, and I'd like to mm-hmm. – uh, you might have uh, the, uh, some comments uh, to make, and uh, then we'll get back into uh, what you're doing because sometimes I get too engrossed in the conversation. And, and I always <laughs> tell people before that you might not uh, – here the if the commentaries if I have time, but I've been reminded that the last two weeks I didn't uh, have a commentary, so I a- actually wrote down some things because I've been thinking about you know just we where we are in uh, the country and and in in the world and uh, and it's just so uh, easy as you get older. Uh, the one thing we have is selective memory, so you have to. Sit there. We we usually put all the dumb things we do in a file, and we seldom go into that in our brain. We keep it in there, but we forget sometimes. So, I I developed a uh, a philosophy on thinking and reasoning, and I call it the Trinity of thinking. And it might be helpful uh, to other people, and it might not be, but it's something that I found useful. Uh, other than being a slow learner, a slower learner than most, I suspect I was like most when I was young. My thoughts were for the day, but they included many prayers asking for success. It was not until I joined the Marine Corps that I was informed that ordinary was not sufficient for being a member. 
it was then I started to develop what I call my trinity of thinking. I started that with visits to the library, studying history, which has become a passion uh, for me. Um, and naturally, listening to my sergeants, I learned that the importance of tradition during my preparation for the next day's survival and for the acceptance and expectations of tomorrow's Marine Corps journey was something that I started to value. That new trinity of thinking and understanding that today's activities was easier when understanding yesterday's successes and failures. Thus, it made it easier to prepare for tomorrow's challenges. Yes, daily prayers were still included in my trinity of thinking as well as respecting the past. But listening and doing my best today all helped in me examining and facing those tomorrow challenges the Marine Corps presented. And admittedly, when younger, I always had something to say, but it was not till those years in the Corps that I realized that just sounding off was of little value without evaluating past events with those of today's needs. Evaluating needs meant understanding and listening to views that didn't always line up with my own, but eventually made me understand and that understanding became easier. Over the years, I have met many who want to be proofreaders, but not as many who know how to read for learning and understanding. How many times have you been listening to someone speaking only to be interrupted by someone changing the subject or disagreeing to a previous point that was earlier made? How many of you listen and digest a conversation, or do you listen for an opportunity to express your point of view? I agree that with today's opposing views, it is hard to truly listen to others, but I suggest it is needed today more than ever if we are going to support the values of tennis and our republic. In the last issue of Florida Tennis, my article started with saying that I was not sure who said freedom doesn't belong to the fate of heart. I suspected the statement included being strong enough to speak, and that should include research and history. I believe being able and strong enough to make worthwhile statements start with listening and studying issues, or what I call the trinity of thinking. I do not own that trinity of thinking process, and I would not be offended if you see the value in it and wanted to use it. But I do think we have to start listening to each other instead of just shouting at each other. And that's my comment for uh, the week. And like I said earlier, I uh, respect yours. And if you disagree with me, uh, contact me at coachdenise.fhstca. At att.net. Who knows? You might be uh, your views might be in Florida tennis. The Almighty willing that I'm continuing writing articles there, or it might be on the show. I don't take live calls, but I do try to address your issues too. And that's my view, Scott. Now we can get back to what you're talking about. Well, John, that was excellent, and. Um... 
you know, I, I always like to remind our students when they're training with us in the summer camps, you know, how many eyes did God give you? Two. How many ears did God give you? Two. How many mouth? Mouth? And they say one. And which one are we, what are we supposed to use more? And they, they get it. They go their eyes and their ears. And so you bring up a very valid point that we do need to listen to each other and we need to carefully um, verify what we think that we're hearing because a lot of times we may hear something and, as you said, draw a conclusion of our own that was really not what the speaker had fully intended us to understand that in that particular way. So um, always important to um, reiterate what you've just heard and to confirm it um, you know, before forming an opinion. Yes. Yeah, very good. And I think this is, you know, I, I, I hear too often about what's wrong with these young kids today. And even in tennis, I think it's interesting. And, I, you know, I'm on a platform of pushing competition in high school and in college. And I really think we do a disservice that we don't have more players playing uh, college tennis uh, because we could see the people they look at Haas you coach right up until uh, recently uh, Feder on the women's side we have women in their 30s uh, some approaching 40 and yet we're pushing these kids into playing pros rather than going to, to college and that's when I hear someone say well Boy, how could that person do that? What a, what a childish thing to do. And we forget that they're still kids. I mean, we're asking 18 and 19-year-olds to understand the system and act like we want to see them, and yet they haven't had the experience behind them. That's right. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely pathways that, um, you know, certain students, certain players should be on. And other pathways, as you noted, you know, for college and things that players should be on as well. And I think, again, that's coming back to the coaches to help them and, and the families to determine which pathway are they shooting for. And I love what Jimmy Aria said, though. Aim high, and if you fall below that, you're far better than if you aimed lower. So he did emphasize to have high aspirations. However, mm-hmm. um I remember, you know, for the eight years that I was working with uh, Nick Bolateri, so many of the players, yes, they were aiming high. Yes, they all wanted to be professionals in the group that I was working with. And when they did receive a Division One college scholarship to a Duke, um, to a Wake Forest, uh, to a USC, in many cases they felt like they had failed. Wow. So four yeah. years of college paid for. And you can tally up the numbers and then compare that to how many years, how successful would they have to be on the pro tour to get the same value? And the answer is they'd have to be very, very, very successful on the pro tour to get that same value. Add to the fact that they're walking away with a college degree. Oh, man. So I constantly um, had to encourage players through those years of congratulations. And by the way, the college pathway is still a viable way to the pros as well, as we see with Stevie Johnson. My goodness. 
Right. You know, the most successful um, college player on the men's side. So, um, year to date. So it's just great to see him out there competing the way he does and, and, and how he climbed the ranks very quickly. Yeah, it is a pleasure to see it. And there's and there are some individuals that are exceptionally talented and uh that you know, they don't need that college. But I'm old enough to remember when college in America tennis was really the training ground for the pros. Uh not necessarily mm-hmm. four years, sometimes a year or two years. Um and I, I just you know, don't see uh, uh, today being that way, and I think uh, we need to have more kids taking that route. Uh, unfortunately, a big part of it, I shouldn't say unfortunately because it makes for a great experience, but a great uh, many of those college players are from overseas, and they've gone the pro uh, route, but they made the $10,000 uh, or less each in a year, and then they come to uh, college and they start over again. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, we have to, I don't know, but I think we've, we've got to sit there and honestly tell a person where they belong and what direction they go. And, and unfortunately, it takes, you know, special people like you and, and next week's uh, host, Nick Saviano, and uh, some of the great coaches to sit there and honestly be able to tell them, you know, think about this. The uh, odds are going that way, you know, might not be there, and will it still be there two years from now? Maybe it, maybe you won't go four years in college, but maybe – you know, if you put two years and evaluate it, you're, you're still young enough to go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, it's a wonderful uh, vehicle. And, you know, it is a wonderful vehicle as long as you stay focused on your schoolwork and your tennis. It can mm-hmm. be a very challenging vehicle sometimes to stay focused on those two things while in college. And uh, David Wheaton, who, uh, if you recall, was a top 10 player in the world, he, um, he wrote a great book on his experiences while attending Stanford, which was called University of Destruction. And right. uh, he talked about some of the challenges very openly as to, um, you know, how he had to navigate coming from a very strong um, Christian family and going into a very secular school like Stanford, mm-hmm. which required a big adjustment on his part. Well, you know, I, I, well, that's there's a, there's so many outstanding stories uh, like that and, and outstanding books. Uh, I think, unfortunately, uh, sports uh, we we hear that two percent that are problems, and we. Uh, that gets all the publicity rather than, I think, all the accomplishments and the assistance sports can be, you know, through life's journey. And, um, and, and of course, I, I, like everybody else, I'm biased. Uh, I, I do think that tennis uh, has more 
uh, not opportunities for growth, but more challenges. It's, it's like a crisis management course. You're always addressing something else. Uh, and uh, so I, all sports, I think, can help you get through uh, life's journeys. But I think tennis, um, my own bias, I think, uh, more than any other sport. Uh, and, you know, but that's my own personal bias. Absolutely. Yep. Nope. Right there with you. So anything coming up real quick that's uh, going on we should know about, Scott? Um, well, we'll obviously be launching summer camps here starting next week. And then, um, yes, we've got the uh, 16s intersectional team competing in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. So uh, all if there's any listeners out there who's – Sons and daughters um, are highly nationally ranked in the state of Florida in the 16s. Be sure that you uh, put their names in, as a team selection will be made shortly. Um, new thing this year, the USTA uh, Florida Division has adopted that um, coaches will no longer be um, responsible for um, the accommodations and the transportation of students that parents now will be included on all these types of trips. So that's a new, uh, a new policy, but I think a wise one on behalf of the USCA Florida. Um, just, you know, uh, children are young. And uh, one of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 22 verse six, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. Well, 16 is not old by any stretch of the imagination. So I think still having, um, you know, parents involved in the journey while I think at 16, having a 16-year-old daughter myself, sometimes those teenagers um, prefer mom and dad to be maybe not quite in view when they're playing. Um, at least that's what I saw at the Nationals here in uh Delray Beach a couple of weeks ago, and uh, saw a lot of parents uh, watching from a distance. But um, those that that will be something that will be coming up here um, at the end of June. Um, following that, I'll be up in Rhode Island with Mr. Tommy Haas, who right now is two and zero on the Champions Tour, mm-hmm. and uh, he just posted an incredible post from Ibiza, where he was down there with his good friend Roger Federer. Federer and uh, his wife. So uh, they had a nice couples weekend down there in Ibiza, Spain. Um, and then, as I mentioned, uh, under service leadership, I'll be out in Washington State, where I'm from, for uh, two weeks. And uh, there we'll be doing that outreach for some of those boys and girls that are in the Boys and Girls Club out there. Well, you're going to have a busy summer again, then that's. Uh... That's great. Uh, I look forward uh, to seeing you, um, well, not seeing you, but talking with you, uh, not next month, but the month after. We'll have many of the clear uh, next month, but uh, the following month, uh, hopefully we will be able to uh, talk again, and you can give me a little bit more information on um, the website updates and uh 
of what you're going to be doing with uh, Match Point Ministry, Match Point Impact. I've got to get used to start saying that, Match Point. <laughs> well, you know, John, and I want to thank you and Bobby. You know, this is what we're seeing. Um, I always feel that you know you're in alignment with what God wants you to do because, one, uh, there's, there's sometimes resistance in certain areas of your life, challenges, um, which is – we're meant to have those because those really shape us as to who we are. Um, there's a saying that you don't know what kind of juice is in the orange until you squeeze it. And of course, life situations squeeze us a lot of times and um, they, they cause us, you know, they, they test our responses. But um, I think we all have the opportunity to um, choose our response and, um, you know, I always pray that it's the right one, even though sometimes it's not. So that's just something that we tr- strive to improve on every day, you know, each and every one of us. Yeah, that's always a challenge. Uh, I forgot who it was that said wisdom is knowing the right path to take and integrity is taking it. So uh, we've um, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a challenge, and um, and I, and I think it's uh, meant to uh, be that for that reason. I had uh, my uh, one of my grandkids who's going to a, a school that um, provides special services for students who are challenging, and uh, um, my son is talking to the University of Rhode Island coach who wants my the younger grandson said, "Boy, I missed uh, the boat on uh, you know that kid. He was watching the two brothers playing on the same team, and uh, he says I think a lot of other coaches did too. We should have grabbed him. I didn't think he was going to mature that much in one year." And uh, like I told my son John, I said, "Well, you know, the Lord works in a strange way." Where he's going, I think, is where the Almighty wanted him to go because he mm-hmm. is uh, going to need special help and everything, and it's provided there. Uh, the University of Rhode Island, which I have a special feeling from, uh, you know, with the World Scholar Athlete Games going up there every four years and everything, I think it's a special place. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a baseball school and uh, you know for the younger one if he goes there it's the right thing so sometimes you don't get what you want right away but there's a reason for it yeah well you're absolutely right and um, I have noted that the children also that a lot of times disappointments are their their knocks you know it's God knocking saying hey you know what yes what can you learn from this experience and what can you, you know, do differently and how can you prepare better for the next time that this situation occurs? And generally in a very short period of time, the players will have a chance to face almost the identical situation and overcome it, which is just fantastic. But um, John, I did want to thank you quickly for, you know, what you do with this show and for your perseverance um, with um, Florida Tennis all the years and all the great articles you've written, I also want to thank you and Bobby for uh, volunteering your house. You see, that this is what makes Matchpoint Impact so unique and special, is that when people hear about it, they just open up and they want to be part of it. So I can't thank you enough for, 
for making that offer, and I'll definitely pass that along to the whole team and um, to the players tomorrow when I see them. Good. Well, we'd be disappointed. Uh, we're always, you know, selfishly, we'd uh, like to see Jasmine and Candace and uh, uh, forgive me, what's your, your son's name? I oh, Jaden, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, any of them are, um, you know, welcome if they're in the area and we're available. And uh, we do have people run in and out uh, all the time, but uh, normally it's available. So um, we pray that uh, if needed, you know, uh, we're here and uh, we look forward to it. Uh, let's stay in touch. I know we usually do, uh, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, let's make. I know you're busy this summer, but uh, two months is too long to uh, wait to talk to you. So uh, if you get a chance, uh, give us a call. Let us know. Tell the people how to get a hold of you before we uh, go. Well, um, this week uh, you'll be able to pull up uh, matchpointimpact.com. Uh, it's in the maintenance mode right now as we're adding content to it. Um, but uh, people can also reach me at Scott at scottstennis.com. Scott at scotts, S-C-O-T-T-S, the word tennis.com. And then, of course, uh, they are more than welcome to call me on my cell phone, 561-702-4244. That's 561-702-4244. And uh, yes, in any shape or form, any way I can help, I'll be happy to. If they've got questions on their game, uh, they can text me a video to that number or a question, and I'm happy to answer it from them as I do a lot of uh, online coaching to players in different parts of the world and different parts of the U.S. Um, when I can't be there with, with them you know, physically. Well, thanks again for taking the time to uh, talk with our audience. And uh, I want to thank you listeners for tuning in. Uh, This is what the broadcast is about. It's uh, the mentors that we bring on uh, weekly are people that have accomplished a lot in tennis, but they haven't stopped. They're still giving. And I think that's what life's uh, about. and, you know, we're here for a reason. We're here to uh, give and help other uh, people. And I feel very blessed to be able to have people like uh, uh, Scott and Linda LeClaire and uh, Alan Fox and Chuck Reese and Dr. John Murray uh, as regulars on the broadcast. And then those fifth uh, Thursdays, Nick Saviano next Thursday. I mean, what a blessing that is. So tell your friends, stay tuned. You have a uh, blessed week this week, and tell your friends to tune in. And remember, just go to uh, the Yellow Ball Network. I'll be posting this on all the coaches' uh, workshops that I'm involved with. And uh, you can listen at any time you want. That's the great thing about Block Talk Radio. Take care. Have a blessed week. And I look forward to talking with you again next week. Bye now.